Praise God. You know, God speaks, and He speaks multiple ways, as Graham was saying. He speaks through the Word, He speaks through people, and He also speaks through the Spirit. The Spirit of God constantly speaks to us. And uh, without His Spirit, we would, it would be very difficult for us to walk our daily life, and it's important. And um, in, in the midst of our troubles and in the midst of our daily struggles, without him, we would have been completely at loss. And therefore, it, it's, it's a great news that he, he is with us. Holy Spirit constantly helps us. And uh, the book of James over the last few weeks as we have been learning has been a great blessing even for me <laughs> to, to, to uncover greater truths. Because at times we focus a lot on faith and faith and faith, uh, which is very good because we get saved. Uh, we encounter Jesus in a personal way. But that faith, if it not matures into producing works, that faith that does not produce work, which, uh, which is not a healthy faith. Uh, a story that comes into my mind uh, is about three trees in a forest. Uh, three young trees were growing up, and um, each of the trees had their own dreams. So they would be sharing those dreams with each other. One of the trees uh, had the ambition um, to grow uh, and uh, become part of a big house, a luxurious house, so that people could come and see its beauty, the grain and the, and the, you know, the color of the wood, and, and enjoy uh, the, the, you know, the, the creation of you know, how, how it got embedded into that house. And he, this tree wanted to be part of that luxurious house. The second tree uh, uh, wanted to be part of a big sailing ship as the mast of the ship. So that was the, the second tree's goal, and always they would share about how he desires, that the, the tree desires to become the mast. The third tree uh, had this desire to be uh, in a part of a big tower, so, you know, which, could, which everyone could see and to come on, climb on the tower, and they could see around. And always you know, to be part of that tower so that uh, you know, it, it could lead people to see why the things around. So these, they would always discuss this, this uh, uh, desires of theirs. And uh, uh, they always used to think, okay, God is our creator, and therefore we should submit our desires to God. Eventually, uh, the first tree grows up, and it becomes mature. And uh, unfortunately, the first tree couldn't become part of the luxurious big house, but it got chopped into a wooden basket which, uh, where hays uh, were put on for cows and buffaloes to eat, and that eventually became the manger, where, uh, which was, uh, where Jesus gave, was given birth. The second uh, tree also didn't become the mast of the bigger sailing ship, but it became one of the small you know, sides of the small boats which were on Galilee, Sea, sea of Galilee, where Jesus stood up and spoke. 
the third ship as the third uh, you know tree also didn't become a big tower but it was one of the logs which was uh, part of the uh, you know the cross where Jesus was crucified sometimes you know you may, you may think where i'm leading into sometimes our desires and our dreams can be rerouted and uh, you wouldn't uh, know why it is rerouted at times if you submit it to the lord it reaches the correct destination faith that produces works sometimes we don't understand why certain things happen in our life it could be a corrective path or it could be a path of learning but the objective is if our faith can lead into works that is the primary theme of james overall in fact james was one of the first books that was written uh, even before the gospels were written in fact mark was written approximately 2 years after james was written so after the day of pentecost for almost 20 years faith was preached faith was pro uh, uh, you know spoken with much vigor every day people were added into the family of christ in the into the body of christ there were miracles happening there were uh, he, he, you know healings taking place at the beautiful gate you have seen silver in you know, a paul and uh, peter and john say silver and gold i don't have we don't have but in the name of jesus get up and walk there were a lot of miracles happening and in the midst of all of these james is writing to the church saying faith produces works and that's what we need faith alone would not be enough it does not mean that you don't uh, you know you don't you and me don't have faith but it is about what does your faith produce chapter 1 if you look at it talks about faith that produces victory over temptations chapter 2 you would see that faith it talks about faith producing love towards all mankind uh, and uh, you and me because we we want we we want to exercise and see that works are defined through faith in a wish not show any partiality chapter 3 talks about controlling the merits and demerits of the tongue and what is the right kind of wisdom that you and me should use chapter 4 and 5 we see that uh, faith can bring purity and patience and uh, a, a separation from worldly influences so james talks about a number of things uh, and to sum it all if we can if in sum it all it it would you would you would see that it is all going towards that one uh, three words faith that produces works it, it is it is as simple as uh, you know a, a 20 pound currency note that you and me have you know we we all work and we want to earn and we if, if suppose we are accumulating that pound 20 note on a day to day basis and uh, uh, probably at one occasion one of your friends may say are you sure that this pound 20 note currency note is real it clicks a bulb into you you know kind of you're lighted up you want to really check probably go to bank of england and say oh can you uh, check this currency note is it real so the question that you and me should constantly ask is my faith checked on a day to day basis is my wealth that i'm acquiring through 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 exercise uh, through exercising my faith is it being checked constantly i would rather uh, have an earthquake 
before I start building as laying the foundation of my house. I don't want to build a couple of stories, uh, have a big mansion, and then an earthquake takes it away on one shot. Faith that produces work. It is across James, you will find James is a clinician who is offering a free checkup for you and me. He's saying, I'm, I can completely understand that you have faith, no doubt about it. But are you sure whether your faith is producing works? In fact, one of the most important checks that you and me should carry out is in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials or various tests, and let endurance, uh, uh, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you and me may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. So our faith needs to be tested on a day-to-day basis. You know, we come across various kinds of trials. It is, it is as simple as, as a child or a student goes to take a test. He has to prepare for the test. Or if he resorts that, okay, I can copy and pass. But still, he may, you know, somebody who is copying may pass and, and get through the first time. But somebody who is working hard would also pass. So it is about the faith that producing the right kind of works. If you have the currency note that you're accumulating on a day-to-day basis, if you're sure that it is the right kind of note, then uh, through that journey of patiently acquiring that wealth, uh, even though it is tough, you're enduring, but what happens? In that journey, you become perfect, you're complete, and you would not lack anything. We're all in a journey, in a progress. I'm a work in progress. I have not achieved or arrived what God wants me to be, or how God wants me to be. One day I will meet him face to face, and in that journey, I have trials and troubles. It is imminent. God in the Bible talks about children, you have trouble and in this world. But I have not left you alone, but I'm going to be with you. Psalm 23, it says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are with me. That's a great assurance. We talked about hope. If that hope is not there in us, then it, everything would be meaningless. So it is better to have a day-to-day examination on where we are leaning, whom we are leaning, what is our trust point, who are we depending on. Otherwise, when we go through these turbulent and difficult times, uh, there is ample opportunity for you and me to question God's love. And therefore, it is important on a day-to-day basis to examine, is our faith real or not? For the testing of faith produces endurance. You know, faith and patience are always going together. Hebrews, you can examine that. You cannot separate faith and patience. And as you wait patiently and endure through various kinds of trials, then you and me will be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Now, that should be our goal today. We may have various goals. We may have goals to go to heaven. That's fantastic. But if our goal is that, Lord, I am work in progress, and I cannot do it on my own. I need the Holy Spirit's constant support. I need people of God. I need the Word of God, which constantly refines me. 
And in that journey, you know, as Graham says, you know, now and not yet kingdom. I really like that phrase. Because the moment you are in the now and now only, that's, that's dangerous. But if you are in the now and not yet kingdom, you have essentially two things working in you. One, you know that you are not sufficient on your own. And you need the Holy Spirit's constant guidance to move through the sufficiency of the day. But also you are, you are vulnerable in such a way that you want God's refinement in you so that you can move forward. So the testing in, in the testing periods and turbulent in a periods of life, your faith is getting manifested. It is growing in, in, in the world. Your trust point moves away from your own ability to solve problems to your ability or your uh, you know, thinking that you can trust God to do it, who is victorious, who is all-powerful. Praise God. Therefore, you know, the, 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 the whole opportunity to know God and dwell in His wisdom is very important. Let us always crave for that. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. You know, you may, you may find, uh, you know, teachers and parents who always try to scold you. If you do something wrong, you can say, you're stupid, why, why are you doing that? But God does not scold you. He doesn't rebuke you and me. But He corrects us lovingly. And He says, I will give you generously the wisdom to deal with every kind of situation. There is no situation or circumstance which he cannot solve or support. He cannot guide us through. But he just says he will support us. He will provide for us. And he will enable us to go through it. So what is wisdom? Uh, the t- t- uh, you, you will see that I will be reading a lot of verses. Uh, please bear with me. Uh, and uh, the main uh, topic is uh, you know, about the wisdom. And James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But you ha- if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant. So lie against the truth. The wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, de- demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Here James is talking about two different kinds of wisdom. And you will clearly see that contrast that James is bringing about between the earthly wisdom and the divine wisdom. The wisdom of the world and the wisdom of of God. And the characteristics, uh, the, the prime characteristic of worldly wisdom, you know, that which is earthly, essentially means that the wisdom is purely addressed in terms of temporal advantage and completely ignores the eternal consequence. Let me repeat the wisdom of the world is always addressed towards temporal advantage. How today I can meet my needs? What is in the now that I can? Uh, quickly work through for a solution. But the wisdom of God always looks at an eternal consequence, an eternal journey. It, it is only, you know, the wisdom of the world is always looking at 
the road uh, and uh, that you're walking now, it doesn't look at the horizon where you're moving into. It doesn't, it doesn't consider at all the long-term effects that you and me can have. And therefore, it is important to understand in our journey, in our walk with the Lord, that where is this road leading me to? What will be the end? It does not, uh, you know, it does not take the eternal omniscient God in consideration if you, took a, if you take the, uh, you know, the worldly wisdom. Therefore, today, uh, you know, uh, in, the, in the remaining 20 minutes or 25 minutes, I would like to quickly work through three major uh, points which we can draw from uh, James chapter 3. One is at, to, to come out with a contrast of how these two kinds of wisdom uh, uh, originate and how these two kinds of wisdom would operate and what kind of outcomes you would see uh, when these two kinds of wisdoms prevail. Contrast in origins. Prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 29, verses 14 to 16, uh, he, he says, Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the discernment of the discerning men will be concealed. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord, and whose deeds are done in a dark place. And they say, Who sees us? Or who knows us? You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made would say to its maker, He did not make me. Or what is formed, say to him who formed it, He has no understanding. David in Psalms 94 and verses 8 to 10 says, Pay heed, you senseless among the people. And when will you understand, you stupid ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nation, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge. Romans 1, chapter 21, verse 23. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds, and of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. What kind of wisdom is that? What kind of origin do you, do you, do you see uh, that, that, is, uh, that is generating an earthly wisdom? It is very interesting for me today to see that uh, men of this age do not seek to relate to God. Rather, they, they would seek to relate to animal kingdom. They, they, they would not understand that man has fallen from the image of God. You know, God created man in his own image, in his own likeness. But today, man has fallen. And man forgets to understand that he, needs, he or she needs restoration. And restoration is important. And ignoring that fact and uh, avoiding to relate to God, they start relating to animal kingdom. Uh, so he looks at a chimpanzee and probably says, oh, he, the chimpanzee looks like me, probably acts a lot like me. What's the difference? He would see and say that maybe I am of the higher order in that animal kingdom. You know, he, he would also say, probably I am one of the accidental circumstances through which I, am, I came into existence in this world. That's why uh, Paul in Romans says that uh, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Do you know how 
there, are, there are post, various postulates. Do you know how this postulate uh, about how we see was formed? Uh, uh, a billion years ago, a worm uh, was emerging out of the primordial ooze and uh, uh, was exposed to the light rays. The you know, freckle of the light rays fell on the, uh, you know, the upper portion of the worm. And uh, in that process, um, uh, it started moving forward, and uh, an eye was getting formed. At the same time, uh, over the billions of years, uh, the brain started uh, getting developed. And as the brain and, and uh, the eye was getting formed, uh, the brain was able to decipher what the eye was able to see and relate. And this process happened, and, uh, and the worm started moving forward over the rocks the and, and became a callus. And then pro probably over the years, it developed some uh, you know, legs to move around and became a salamander. And uh, uh, over the billions of years out of the salamander, you and me came forth. So it is essentially talking about out of the goo in the zoo and you came out. <laughs> Simple as that. The product of blind chance that you and me were. It is very difficult. I find it even more difficult to have faith to believe in such an existence or such a story than believing in God who created you and me in the image, in his image, in his likeness. David has said in Psalms, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. In fact, uh, there are a lot of stories in the Bible which talks about the confusion and the origin of the earthly wisdom. Tower of Babel. People all grouped up. They wanted to meet God. They wanted to create some structure to glorify themselves, but also an opportunity to meet God. The, the, the motives were not right. And you can see that it ended up in confusion and utter destruction. Even today, the word Babel is associated with confusion. Abraham ran away to Egypt from Canaan when Canaan had a famine. And you would see that how he resorted to various lies. He had to say that his own wife was his sister. King Saul thought it would be wise to put an armor on David. But you know how David won Goliath. Disciples thought it would be wise to send away the 5,000 and to find their own food. But Jesus said, where is the five loaves and the fish? I will feed. So James is, he, he, he is talking about a clear contrast in the origins of the earthly wisdom and the godly wisdom. The earthly wisdom is such which is earthly, sensual, and devilish. It appeals to our senses. You might have heard with, uh, with a saying which says, enjoy yourselves, it is later than you think. Eat, drink, and be merry, tomorrow who knows, or tomorrow you die. The prophet Isaiah, in chapter 47, verse 10 to 11, he says, You felt secure in your wickedness and said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge, they have deluded you. For you have said in your heart, I am, and, and there is no one besides me. But evil will come upon you, which... You will not know how to charm away, and disaster will fall on you, for which you cannot atone, and destruction about which you do not know will come on suddenly. The wisdom of this earth is sensual, earthly, and devilish. You know, the word sensual and, uh, or natural is, is uh, translated in Greek, or comes from the word called sukikos, which, which comes from the word suke, means life or soul. 
Uh, and uh, essentially, uh, you know, the, if you analyze this word, you will find that there is something which is spiritual and there is something which is natural. And the fallen nature of man is always uh, in opposition to the spiritual part which God wants you and me to inherit. And there will be always that uh, 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 confusion and there will always be resistance. Uh, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says, But I'm afraid that a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And in Second Corinthians, again, 11 and 13 to 15, Paul says, For such men are false prophets, uh, uh, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder for Satan disguised himself as an angel of life, uh, light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their needs. The wisdom of this world one day will come to nothing. And the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. For it is written, he, 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 would, he, he takes the wise into their own craftiness. Do not get confused with the knowledge of the world and the wisdom of the world. Certainly, we have uh, experienced the knowledge of the world. You know, we have inventions, we have discoveries. To it. Today, we don't need to sit with a, a lantern. We have light. We can. Uh, we have the energy. We have uh, in a nuclear power. We have atom bombs, which were all uh, had its own. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. Uh, what do you call the process of discovery was well defined. When it was discovered or when it was invented, it all had a purpose. But like uh, a century ago, Henry David Thoreau warned that we had improved means to unimproved ends. We have all the technology, all that we need, but still we don't have time. Still we struggle on various issues. Still there is shortage of energy and still there is massive fear that with nuclear energy that was discovered should we one day get destroyed. The world, by its wisdom, knew not God, and its, in its wisdom, always rejects the very gospel of God. You know, we, we, we think, uh, you know, uh, this, this, I, I, um, you know uh, this, the conversation that uh, with a, a businessman has with a Chinese philosopher comes to my mind. And uh, uh, they, they were great friends, and one day this Chinese philosopher comes to New York, and uh, spends the time with the businessman. Uh, the whole day they, they discuss various politics, policies, and evening they wanted to rush home for a, a dinner in white. And this businessman t tells the Chinese philosopher that uh, if we run fast, we can save three minutes and get the metro line and reach um, uh, this particular restaurant in time. So they both run away, uh, and the um, uh, Chinese philosopher has been a bit you know, around 70s, and so he had a bit tough, you know, to get away from the busy roads and run to his metro. After getting into the train, the metro line, the Chinese philosopher, after a few minutes, he says, you know, now we have saved the three minutes. What is that significant thing that you want to do with the saved three minutes? Many times our journey is also that way. We try to fix the solution with quick means without able to understand or estimate the consequence that we have uh, uh, in the future. So the, the two kinds of wisdom, which is earthly and which is 
uh, sensual and which is devilish, it has got a different origin, which is wisdom of the world. And wisdom of, the, wisdom of God, in James chapter 3, verse 17, we see that it is pure, it is peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. You know, in all of our needs, as a Christian, we look up to God, for He is the one who provides. He is the one who is sufficient. Uh, whether it is sickness, whether it is um, uh, financial need, economic need, uh, strategic needs, whatever needs it may be, God is the one who provides. But He not only provides us, He says that in Philippians 3.20, that our citizenship is in heaven. Our treasures are not on earth, but is in heaven. We were not born from earth, but we are born from above as we accept Christ as personal Savior. The first step towards having true wisdom is to accept Him as our personal Savior. Without accepting Jesus in our life, we would not have any kind of wisdom. We'll be always dwelling in the worldly wisdom. Now once we have accepted Him as our personal Savior, our journey begins. And He says, if any of you lacks wisdom... Ask. He is able to provide generously. Without reproach, it will be given to him. We'll find, we, we find wisdom through believing prayer. The Holy Spirit of God is the wisdom and revelation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. The origin of the true spiritual wisdom is always God. So let us examine every day. Are we holding on to any counterfeits that are always available and attractive for us on a day-to-day journey? Solomon in Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And the wisdom that comes from the mouth of God is first of all pure. So we should crave for that purity in our life. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in furnace on the earth, refined seven times. And in Psalm 19 verse 8 it says, The commandment of the Lord is pure. The wisdom that is from the Lord, will always be pure. Secondly, it is peaceable. One of the names of Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And as he was ready to leave ascension to heaven before leaving his disciples, he said, My peace I give unto you. Not like the world gives. Let not be your heart troubled, neither be afraid. So peace from the Lord, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts and minds. That's what Philippians 4, 7 says. The wisdom that comes from God is peaceful and it, and it has got a peaceful effect on you and me. It not only builds peace in us, but even as we meet others, it, it generates that peace onto others. It flows into others' lives. Whether it is an excitement or whether it is a tough time, God's peace will always guard our hearts and always turn us towards Jesus Christ. So Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. The next important aspect is gentleness. Then the wisdom comes from the Lord is also gentle. It is not harsh or abrasive. 
it is it is part of the fruit of the spirit that brings love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness. In Galatians, uh, you would see that that sort of peace, which uh, is not obstinate and not stubborn, you know, in, in our, it can be entreated. But the peace that also brings mercy and good fruit is what we should crave for. Uh, and now mercy is kind of pity on, for, for someone who is either through his own mistakes or somebody else's mistakes had faults, but you have forgiven and you have shown pity. Uh, it, it is uh, like the story that, uh, uh, that we probably many, many of us have heard before. Napoleon Bonaparte, once he was uh, passing through the streets of Paris after a, uh, on a victory parade, after uh, you know uh, some some of the battles he had, and crowds were uh, thronging both sides of the uh, streets, and out of the crowd a girl bolted out and said, "Sire, mercy, sire, mercy, sire, mercy for my father." And Napoleon asked, "What is what? Who, who is your father? What is his name?" And the girl uh, tells him his name. And Napoleon immediately says, oh, no, no, this man has done something wrong. He's, he's a traitor. He's, he's supposed to be killed. And the girl says, sire, I'm asking for mercy. I'm not asking for justice. Justice means you will, be, you will get what you deserve. Mercy is what, you don't get what you deserve, but you, you, you are being forgiven. You're, you're being accepted as you are. No marks that uh, that of uh, that of failure is taken on board. You and me might have encountered many of such occasions. You might have seen somebody might have come and said, "Please forgive me," and you say, "Yeah, I forgive you." But if you go, if you take it to the next step, I forgive you, and I also want to take you for a meal. Let us have a chat. That is mercy and pity coming out. As a, 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 and serving others. It is flowing through your life. Jesus told us in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And that kind of mercy is what we need today. The wisdom that comes from God is also without partiality. James chapter 2, verse 1 to 6, it, it reads this way. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, sir, but you say to a poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among them, among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are the poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him, but you have dishonored the poor. The wisdom of God, which comes from God, doesn't show any kind of partiality. The wisdom of God is also without hypocrisy. It doesn't show any kind of Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Hypocrite is a word that comes from again from Greek, which means to to become an actor, to act upon. So if you're pretending to be someone who you are, or pretending you're something which is not that, then it is not the wisdom from above. So wisdom from God and wisdom from the earth, wisdom from below, they have their operations are completely contrasting. And what is the outcomes of these two kinds of wisdom? 
For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. And a confusion is translated as instability. So if you constantly encounter disorder and confusion with selfish ambition growing here and there, you would see that it is not from God. Jealousy, competition, party spirit, all these contributes to confusion. And Babel is kind of symbolic to similar instances. But God's wisdom produces blessing. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There is a vast difference between man-made results and God-given fruit. Massive difference. And man-made results will always be temporal. But a God-given fruit, what it does, it, it gets sown. And you would see multiple fruits coming out of that. Now today, the question between you and me, or question for you and me, is do, how do I choose to live in this world? Do I choose to live with a wisdom that is from the Lord, that is from above, or should I choose to have that wisdom which is sensual, earthly, and devilish? Should I choose that is pure, peaceable, gentle, or should I go around and build my character which is earthly, sensual, and devilish? Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13 says, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. There's one poem that I want to show before I close down. It, it's, it's a poem which, which has really affected me. It talks about the earthly wisdom and how the earthly wisdom is manifested and how the earthly wisdom can actually change our goalpost in, in working our life with the Lord. It says, I would like to buy a dollar three worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy a dollar three worth of God. Is your concept of God, or is, your, uh, is the wisdom that you and me constantly uh, uh, hoping on to derive from, is similar to this man who is seeking to box up God uh, who is just worth a three dollar? The context here is an, purely American, where people go to the church, they would just put a dollar three bill, there is no dollar three, three dollars, and get away. They're quite satisfied in their hearts that I have done the duty, I have built some kind of relationship. But the question today for you and me is, are we willing to join that journey with the Lord, even if it is tough, Lord, even if I'm going through trials, but you're with me? Are we willing to experience the pain of the new birth? Where we know that in spite of these trials and tribulation. My goal is to become perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And therefore, Lord, please help me endure through this process. Build me with patience so that one day when I meet him face to face, I'll be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Can we all stand to our feet? Probably it's an opportunity for us to examine our lives. As David said,
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any hurtful way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Father Lord, we want to thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you because the, the earthly wisdom would lead us into eternal damnation. But the heavenly wisdom which is above, which comes from above, is peaceful, it is gentle, it is pure, it is it, without hypocrisy, it is without partiality. And it will help us in our journey on a day-to-day basis. At the ticking of the every second, you are with us, Lord. And we want to thank you because you want us to make us perfect, complete, so that we would not lack anything, Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to fill us that we may overflow and make us a blessing. Father, come at this whole week ahead, Lord. Help us to serve you. Help us to crave for that heavenly wisdom, Lord. And you said you will pour on us generously, Lord. And we ask that you would be the solution for every, every question that we have, every circumstance that we are facing. You would be the only solution, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. For a moment, before we just um, we'll conclude with worship, and for me, wisdom—one of the gifts of the Spirit, wisdom—it's it's a magnificent thing, just to know that we can have the wisdom of God in every, in any and every situation. We can be more supernatural at this. You know, this out of all the gifts, this excites me. Because as, as you, it's so great how you um, differentiated between knowledge and wisdom. You know, we're, we're living in such a, a world that requires knowledge. You've got to know, you know, know, all the time it's known. Uh, did you know this? Do you know that? And that's not the question that um, we should be asking. We, we want to have, bring the wisdom of God into situations. You just think this, this last week, if you've been at work or situations you've faced... Man, if you could bring the wisdom of God in. The wisdom of God brings God into situations. It's not meant to make you look clever. It's meant to bring in the kingdom of God. And I just want to really get behind what this man has said. It's just been so good this morning. Church, pray for it. Will you pray for the supernatural gift of wisdom? Because it makes you a supernatural person. You are supernatural because of the spirit of God within you. And the spirit of all wisdom will fill you. It's um, This is an amazing dynamic part of who we are in Christ, that we can have wisdom in any situation. And that's how we become overcomers in life, in any situation to have wisdom. So I just want to fully endorse what Nelson has said. You see, it's not wise to give. <laughs> Financially, it's not wise to give. We just had a big offering not why, sorry, it's, it's, no, I got that totally wrong. Um, if I've based my giving on my knowledge, right, um, nothing will get done. We just had this big offering for, you know, if you weren't around the last couple of weeks, right? We didn't approach this with a, a, a humanistic knowledge of our giving. We just approached it with the wisdom of God, because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we live differently for the last year in order to, to give, I think that's a wise thing. Has it done us good? Yeah, it is because the wisdom of God does you good. And and the reason why we 
we take offerings we, as well as our tithes and offerings. But the reason why we give is not just to, to help church function. It's so it keeps that materialism in check. You know, we keep the foot on the coffin lid. Yeah, <laughs> we're dead. Our old nature is dead. But in give, where the whole area of finances is, we tend to want to get out of coffin and live again. <laughs> the old life. And just by being systematic in our giving, this is wisdom because it keeps us in step with the kingdom of God. It does us good, right? It does us good to give regularly. That's wisdom because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Wouldn't it be great if Caroline had another person for compassion? That's wisdom, isn't it? So could we just conclude our, um, just focus back on Lord. In this last song, yeah, we'll take our offering. That's a part of it. But can you be reaching out to God? God, I want more of this. I've seen something. I want to be the wisest possible person that is humanly possible. So when people meet me, they encounter something of the wisdom of God. Because people begin to come to you. When you begin to flow in this gift, people begin to come to you for wisdom. Let's stand and worship the all-wise one.